immersive audio podcast. In conversations with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Hello and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, episode 61, with me, your host, Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. Hello. Hi, Monica. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, happy to be here. Likewise. Since we haven't had a lot of news recently, we're going to talk to our guest who will bring a lot of goodies, no doubt. And uh, you, you shall hear what we mean exactly in a moment or two. Our guest today, Tom Fisk. Tom is the editor of Immersive Wire, a newsletter dedicated to immersive technologies and the metaverse. Tom analyzes the sector and charts its steady growth over time. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's good to hear from you too. And it's great to meet you both today. We've met a while ago. Um, We go back some years ago here in London, part of the local immersive community. First of all, one of the things you do regularly is update us on the news in the world of extended realities industry. And you do send out a newsletter twice a week on Wednesday morning and Sunday morning. And uh, I'd love to ask you what's been happening lately. What are the biggest news of early 2022 or the end of 2021? Great question. And the the, the ones that piqued my interest were two, uh, just from the last week and a bit. One is um, there's potentially a code name for Google's AR glasses, which is Project Iris. Um, we don't really know much about it, save that it's passed through AR and may use some sort of cloud rendering. But since Google's normally quite secretive about what they've been working on internally, we have to see how it actually develops. And bearing in mind the R&D team is absolutely massive. There's projects happening all the time. We just have to see what it might well look like. The other big news, which I am sure you discussed last week, uh, is the fact that Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard and the reason why I would label it as a, a uh, kind of overall immersive tech uh, news story is purely because Satya Nadella did uh, mention the word metaverse. And it is a part of their strategy. But what I don't think a lot of people get at the moment is how little we know. We really don't know what Microsoft is up to. We really don't. They're the big uh, tech giant who's planning three years ahead while we are just postulating the present. So... We'll, we'll have to wait and see what they're going to be up to, then we can evolve from there. And then apart from that, um, I think most recently, I've been following a little bit of here and there when it comes to Web3 and NFTs. But if I'm honest, when it comes to in relation to immersive audio as a whole, uh, I, I'd say the things that I've been finding most interesting is Vario working on cloud rendering. And the reason why is because it's a very intensive way of delivering content. You need to have a very solid connection, potentially with 5G or other elements, in order to even stream that content via the cloud. And that relates to immersive audio as well, because the complexity of that is only exponentially larger when you're trying to run a setup that's not based on a computer, based on where you are. Sorry for the elongated answer, but those are the things that have been interesting me recently. Tom, 
Let's go all the way back. Can you tell us about your background and how you got into journalism and also how you started to report on XR industry specifically? Uh, so the story goes that there was, in 2015, there was a meetup uh, organized by Tanya Laird and Steve Dan, who I assume you know, Steve Dan at least. And um, they organized a meetup in London called Augmenting Reality, where they just bring immersive professionals together with little talks to explore the sector as a whole. Now, back then... I was a bit of a gamer nerd. I really liked my gaming. And I went along because I was interested in virtual reality and gaming because that was kind of what I enjoyed. And what ended up happening is I went there. I tried out the Wiz dish, if you remember one of those, and a, um, a little Oculus Rift uh, headset. And um, what we did is we um, I, I tried out the uh, Pac-Man in virtual reality where you're a little in a little maze and you're wandering around, you're trying to escape ghosts, which was very scary, but also made me realize, oh, this is very cool. And also during those talks, made me realize, oh, this is far, far, far beyond gaming. This is definitely a worthy area to like look into further. Started a blog called The Virtual Perceptions, where uh, I wrote um, SEO-optimized articles and longer-form pieces. Um, but And while that was fine, I didn't really like make any sort of breakthrough with my writing up until... Um, February 2020, when I published The Immersive Reality Revolution, which has just compiled my writings and my perspectives, which got number one in the VR category of Amazon and that got spread around. And then in the same year, I launched The Immersive Wire, which was kind of my little baby that was spawned from virtual perceptions. Now, The Immersive Wire became a lot bigger in of itself because there was a niche for people who wanted a concise newsletter which just analyzes and compiles um, the news on immersive tech and the metaverse. The niche was there and um, it has grown uh, quite well since then. So I actually closed down virtual perceptions, that arm, and I've rebranded entirely as the immersive wire from then on. So um, my, my title technically is the editor of the immersive wire, but um, as, as many people would know if they have side gigs, you can just make up whatever you want. Um, I've got currently got a friend who's the chief Gundam officer, for example, just for fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been growing since then. And in 2020, 2021 was really active for me. Spoke to a lot of different places, wrote some pieces, wrote a thesis on the metaverse where there's a difference between a singular macro metaverse and multiple micro metaverses, uh, which got spread around. Um, or metaverse I. <laughs> or metaverse I. We need to, like the word metaverse, we need to agree on a definition. And um, then we, then I've just been talking to lots of people, been writing this book for a long time, had to re-edit the book because Facebook changed the name to Meta, thank you. And then um, is now compiled to up to this point where come, where I've just very recently uh, published um, the Metaverse A Professional Guide, which... Um, I've, and there's a whole bunch of things being explored in it, um, including a, a little section on immersive audio as well, which I wanted to touch on. Uh, but although principally, when, with the, in one part of the book, I do lament about the fact that Bose has uh, stopped to some extent their immersive audio work, because I was very sad about that. Because I remember we were both there for, um, was it like Rain Dance 2019, 2020, where like Bose was there showing off their immersive audio stuff? I thought it was amazing. And then um, there was a Harry Schotter and Mookie Coolhan who was doing stuff with consequences as well using immersive audio. And that was amazing too. And it was just a shame to see that uh, support being pulled back. But 
Um, I limit on that in the book, but yeah, uh, I explore lots of other things as well. And I'm sure we'll be touching all of them uh, throughout this podcast. I wanted to ask more about immersive wire. How do you curate the most important news? Because there's a lot of noise and, uh, you know, ultimately there's no enough time and mind space for anyone to read about everything. How do you curate your specific newsletter? How do you decide what's the most important thing to report on? Um, since I've been running the newsletter for some time, I've got an idea of click-through rates for certain stories. So I've got an idea of what stories resonate with my readers. So I, therefore, I keep an eye out for my, what might work for the people I serve. I also got an um, email inbox where um, people send me news stories every once in a while. And then I um, just field them to find things which are super interesting I want to put in there. And the, the third way is a bit of Twitter and LinkedIn, which um, I, whenever I find something interesting, I literally click on the share button and forward me the email of like that post. And on Tuesday evenings, it's very boring. I serve myself some tea. I put some lo-fi hip-hop music and I just go through all of my emails that week and rip out the stories I wanted to profile. And in terms of what's good news and what's like relevant for my audience, um, I'm quite stringent on my definitions of what makes an immersive tech story. So if it's like a small uh, company or a small startup or like an individual creator, I'm going to like share your story because you need all the support you can get. So I'm going to do it if it's a good story and I'm going to share it. But if you're a company who's going to be arguing that your JPEG of a monkey is contributing towards the metaverse because it's part of a private server where you need to like pay 500 pounds to buy the Ethereum to go in, then I'm not going to share your story because I think it's, I mean, if I'm allowed to swear in the podcast, complete bollocks. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're like academic language. Okay. I could, so I, so I'm, I'm, and if I'm honest, most recently, I've been saying no to the most to like NFT stories because there's a lot of, um, companies at the moment who are saying, oh, we're working on NFTs, therefore we are working in the metaverse, which is remarkable considering the metaverse doesn't exist yet. So power to you. But I don't include the stories because I there's there's no substance to them. It's um, sheer profiteering in my perspective. Yeah, very interesting insight. Um, not the answer I was expecting. Very honest. No worries. That, that is me. Um, and <laughs> if I'm honest, when it comes to my newsletter, um, I, I do have a type, kind of like a kind of dry British humor, and um, and and I'm not saying that literally just because I'm saying it by myself. I'm literally just saying I've, I've got I've got a few American readers who just say that they quite like the way um, I talk about the stories, quite honestly. So that's the kind of the sentiment which I like to carry. And the benefit of running a newsletter, which is so niche and is so personal to me, is I can put my own uh, personal spin, which doesn't have any um, corporate oversight, which is quite helpful. The number of companies who didn't mention the word metaverse in their marketing materials or releases, who then pivoted and say, oh yeah, no, actually we are we are doing stuff in the metaverse, is astonishing. And and I'm not gonna say like I am like devoid of this as well. I also happen to have found that my newsletter did contribute towards discussions organically. But at the same time, there are a lot of companies which are uh, trying to push their own definition when it's not might not even be the definition that people will use. Like to give a um, current example, we've got uh, Microsoft who's arguing there's going to be multiple metaverses, which may not be interoperable. And then you've got Meta who's arguing about one singular metaverse where everything's interoperable. You already have two separate definitions from two of the tech giants, which um, 
could work together, but arguably could not work together. And that lack of grounding, I think, is a is something interesting to follow. But I'm going to pivot back to you two, because I'm sure you both have a definition as well, which you kind of hold to your heart. Well, and I think, you know, like what's interesting kind of in this conversation around the metaverse, as much as like the conversation around immersive, um, is that these words aren't fully defined and everybody, and I think we, we talked about this with Hyungkook Lee kind of in um, the podcast we did with him recently, um, where, you know, how, how do you define immersive? How do you define the metaverse? I think you kind of touched on that a little bit, Tom, and, you know, it's uh, the, these you know, a lot of people are just very anxious to kind of like attach whatever they're doing to these, you know, trendy terms because they're trendy. But at the end of the day, what really, what is this exactly? Well, let's jump on this and talk about a little bit more detail. So as it stands, we are recording this on the 24th of January, 2022. It's important to mention time when it comes to talking about these such a profound things such as metaverse. Um, Next week, you are releasing your second book, The Metaverse, A Professional Guide. Can you tell us more about this project overall? What motivated you to write this book? And what are the key elements you're covering there? Certainly. So I found there was, similar to you, I found there was a lot of clutter when it comes to metaverse discussions over the last year or so. And I felt that there wasn't enough good information on it either. I felt there was a lot of stories circulating to what the metaverse is, what it could be, what it could not be, or how it could blow our minds, even though it feels like a nebulous cloud of discussions. And I felt that it warranted a greater exploration of what it is and what it could be and cutting through the fluff. So my focus on it is I took virtual augmented reality as a basis because I have a suspicion they are going to contribute towards discussions. And like seeds coming from the ground, it kind of sprung towards how it contributes towards metaverse discussions as well. And right at the beginning, I, I say like flat out that we, it's very difficult to know what the future is going to look like because our conceptions of the future is very best, very much based on our present. So to give an example, um, in 1900s, there was a... German chocolatier who asked people and created designs for, what do you reckon the year 2000 would look like? So 1900s Germany, what's the 2000s going to look like? And all the pictures were of uh, wooden contraptions, of things flying through the air, or houses which were on trains, which were then being transported everywhere. And uh, these uh, engines were powered by steam as well. And it, and it just occurs to me that the way we see the metaverse at the moment, just an expansion of the internet, is very much like how the Germans probably saw the year 2000. It's based on the technology of their own time. And I just preface this throughout the entire book as like, this we, This is such an early stage. So, um, and we're, what we're trying to do is trying to work things out as we go. But I do have a go. And what we do is we've got multiple chapters focused on education, on, um, on gaming. I've got a whole chapter on Meta's outsized influence in the industry, which uh, I think will be really interesting for some readers. A little chapter on NFTs and why things are a bit bollocks. And a little chapter as well on all sorts of different areas. And at the bottom of each chapter, I've got little takeaways, just with my opinion, which you could take or leave, but just my little insights based on everything I've seen. 
I guess so in your view, like what role is immersive audio going to play in the true metaverse and how does that actually tie into um, all of these developments that are happening? I cannot overstate the importance of immersive audio. So it, it is genuinely one of the most important things comes in immersive experience. And I do feel there's sometimes not enough times dedicated to it. Because um, when you have a really good VR experience, if you also have good audio that reacts to what's happening to you, it's so much more immersive than just better looking graphics or like other elements. And I'm, I'm, talk- I'm preaching to the choir here because you both know this as well, but it is worth alliterating how important it is to ensure that uh, you have good audio because it's going to do far better legwork for you for whether you're doing VR training or education or just gaming in of itself or you're going to a concert. The better the audio, the more adaptive it is to your actions, the better the experience is going to be. And that's that's the role it's going to play in the future. Yeah, and I guess, so when we're talking about immersive audio, we're probably um, in this context, just as we're clarifying definitions, is are you seeing it more as, you know, working with kind of binaural HRTF renderings or is this something that could then be taken into um, the more large-scale multi-channel speaker arrays as well? Um, and what's kind of the purpose of it within this space? So it depends on the type of uh, hardware you're developing. Um, remind me, what what type of audio does like the Quest 2 use? Mm, Oliver, do you know? Yeah, so I mean, I guess it depends, but uh, generally speaking, whatever the type of audio that is implemented within the experience or like an app that you can download um, on an Oculus platform or, or maybe watch like a 360 video. It can go up to third order ambisonic 16 channels and uh, additional headlock stem, which then subsequently decoded binaurally real time. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, I guess. No, you did. You know, you absolutely you did. Yeah. There could be a number of options depending what uh, combination of things the content provider have implemented. But ultimately, there could be things that contain no spatial audio. And uh, there the are also the kind of gradations of how, how high in terms of spatial resolution uh, it can be in terms of uh, what's been implemented. So I have, do have a suspicion that when the, um, whatever the metaverse is going to be, let's assume that the metaverse is going to be like some sort of private world people are going to be delivering. I do assume there's going to be a kind of low form of audio initially, purely because of the sheer workload those servers are going to pull out. I know there's companies like RP1, which are creating servers, which can help deliver content relatively seamlessly to a lot of different people. But if you can cut the audio size and audio transmission, then that's probably one of the first things that's going to go when you're trying to simulate a world. So I do imagine there's going to be probably weaker version of for, uh, at least for some cloud-based operations. But what I'm hoping is as it does develop over time, we're going to have more and more complex uh, variations that could work. Or the very least, when you pop into a different part of the metaverse, you're going to a room that delivers higher quality audio, which really taps into the um, the pros that most audio can bring. Yeah, interesting. I think like you mentioned um, Oculus Quest or Meta Quest and that single device with a single platform can deliver all sorts of good or bad examples of um, utilization of spatial audio. You know, we can maybe um, download a very high-end game and it's it just sounds brilliant. Everything's brilliant about it. And you can 
you can find something really low budget, you know, projects um, that um, have been poorly executed or maybe everything in between. And I think when it comes to metaverse, if we just talk about practical stuff, you know, we want to be able to communicate and, you know, being able to convey the, the speech, the voice of the user and be able to like through, through the avatar appearance and then be able to communicate with other users and have some externalization. So kind of essentially simulating the real world, you know, people around you, the sounds coming as if they're around you as opposed to all in your head or vice versa. So it's being able to capture that uh, without um, significant latency and being able to put it back into that metaverse and externalize it in relation to that kind of multiplayer experience. Also, oralizing environments. You know, if you are somewhere, making it compelling. If, if I'm in a field, should sound appropriate or if I'm in a city, whatnot. Um, so th these are the absolute basics um, when it comes to... Uh, I mean, if, if we're talking about some kind of... Um, maybe um, three DOF experience um, with with cinematic footage, you know, typically with films or high-end games, these kind of things are, are taken care of to give them. But there's a lot of other categories of experiences where um, maybe the focus is not on audio. This is a lot of gray area there. Um, and th that's where we start seeing this kind of discrepancy. You know, we, we don't have, um, you know, maybe... Uh, virtual acoustics, you know, where we have acoustics based on physics and geometry of that environment, which would subsequently add a sense of presence and realism, and maybe even aid things like cognitive load and reduce the fatigue. So by kind of capturing this voice from reality and resupplying it back into the pipeline and placing it back into virtual acoustics in that environment and kind of having its own place within that virtual environment. And so it reverberates and kind of uh, creates its own sonic imprint within that environment in the context of everything else. So all of a sudden, again, we're just adding another layer of complexity that brings us one step closer to the uh, real world. You know, all these things are computationally expensive and also required a certain amount of resources in terms of programming that into the experience or the productivity app or whatever that is. And, and that's why we see, you know, the gradations of implementation quality. But it's, it's all kind of, generally speaking, the average bar is rising uh, over time. And, and that's kind of positive news. Absolutely, that's positive news. As long as that average goes up, uh, then uh, everyone will succeed from there. I do have to wonder, and this is a blind area from my side, so I'm curious to get um, yours and Monica's takes on this, is um, what would you reckon over the last few years was like the biggest leaps when it comes to immersive audio? What have you actually found where, oh my God, this is such a, like, a sizable leap compared to what happened the year previously, which you saw just got adoption really quickly? I mean, I think over the past, you know, just, I guess, I'd say maybe like uh, 10 years where like, I, you know, I started in immersive audio back in 2011 um, and there's just, there was no tools. There was no um, like, you know, no, no, none of these big companies were involved in immersive audio. And now you see a lot of interest going into it. And there's a lot of people that are just developing tools that are more easy to use for artists, for content creators and for people that don't, you know, program themselves. Um, I think that's, you know, a huge advancement now as far as just in the past couple of years, you know, where we're getting with that. Um, you know, a lot of it, again, is uh, there's now, um, you know, these 
more established tool sets that are starting to be used in uh, in the workflow and kind of production flow for live um, like live performances for uh, you know game um, for the whole film production world and then when you come to like gaming um, there, I think gaming has always kind of been a little bit you know ahead of the game on some of the spatial like spatialization of audio and kind of thinking about that because you know being able to have a sound come from you know a direction that you're trying to get your user to look at you know was something that was important um in the gaming world however you know there's definitely been advancements um as far as just the technology and kind of implementation and Oliver would you like to expand on that at all to me the acquisition of Oculus by Facebook or today Meta was the that critical moment where things just exploded uh, again properly. I've been in spatial audio since 2014, like kind of uh, working professionally, making a living out of it. So, so my experience was seven, eight years. Uh, prior to that, I've been exposed to a little bit of ambisonics as part of um, uh, kind of academic studies and uh, kind of work-wise uh, surround sound, you know, 5.1, 7.1, um, a little bit of Aura 3D, uh, which is another channel-based format with a height speaker. But, you know, surround sound is two-dimensional. Uh, it's not 3D sound. And that's kind of what's been um, dominating uh, mainly the the world of cinema and maybe location-based entertainment, you know, if if there was much at the time. And, e- and even within games themselves, they're not a lot of companies or not not everyone was going for uh, uh, binaural audio. It, it was often surround, surround sound, which, you know, was at the time, I think, uh, and still is in, in many contexts satisfactory without having high information. I think what's changed is the alongside the, you know, these big acquisitions of Oculus Rift and Two Big Ears later on as well, um, I think we also have witnessed a huge advances in uh, mobile computing. Our devices have become much more powerful, and also in terms of storage, and uh, also in terms of data streaming capabilities that obviously some parts of the world are still lacking, and some parts of the world are very, very fast. Um, so it's that kind of being able to stream content, it was a massive contributing factor. Another thing I would say is the headphones. I don't know if you... Just remember, just five, seven, eight years ago, for somebody to own a pair of really, really good headphones, unless they're like an audio geek, professional engineer, it just wasn't a thing. I just, you know, the family members, the friends, they just didn't own a really good pair of headphones. Maybe just an average or bad one at best. Now, everybody have this, in addition to their phone or iPad or gaming console, various other things, I'm not putting VR headset just there just yet because it's not as common as the things we're talking about. Everybody owns a really nice, decent pair of headphones, sometimes going as as, uh, as high as three, four hundred pounds or, or two hundred pounds. And that enables people to appreciate higher quality audio because bad audio or or lack of sophistication of audio implementation becomes more apparent when it's consumed on on higher quality device. Um, maybe there's a, like a bit of a chicken and egg and it's like uh, each situation contributed in kind of and helped each other. But all these things kind of happened in the past six, seven years and just really accelerated. 
and and yeah, like Monica, what you were saying back in the day, there were no tools. That's that's very true. That you know, we we I can't say we're spoiled, but you know, we're definitely. If you compare it to how it was back then, ten years ago, like you said, two thousand eleven, like there was barely anything. Um, so a lot has happened. Also, the Tom, this is more your area. The adoption of HMDs, all types of HMDs, of different kind of platforms and standalone and tethered and and you know that whole ecosystem on how you can consume the immersive content um, has really grown. Everybody really expected it to to happen much quicker, and it didn't. There was a bit of a dip or stagnation, and everybody kind of okay, well, it's not going to happen. But actually, steadily, it's been growing and growing and growing. So, without being specific, it's just I think a number of things just created a perfect storm for for audio to become a real important component and the sort of indispensable component when it comes to branding, storytelling, communication, and, and loads of other things. And, and now we're looking at spatial audio and it's on the, on the path of becoming a standard, a requirement, not some kind of things that nobody understands, too expensive and let's not do it. But if you don't have it, you kind of, you're behind. Now it's part of the music industry. It's, it's, it has been part of gaming industry. It's it's now becoming more part of OTT services industry, like, you know, things like Netflix, mobile apps. I mean, the list goes on. It's really hard to f- identify uh, like a sector within larger audio industry where spatial audio hasn't already started making its mark. I'd also like to add about, um, I think, a lot of research uh, happened or pretty much, you know, the past few years, there's been a lot of research effort um, put towards uh, HRTFs, um, which is head-related transfer functions. Um, And that, you know, that kind of research is really allowing for um, people to be able to create these binaural experiences that are just using headphones to create these more immersive uh, um, audio, uh, you know, worlds. And I think that that's been, you know, definitely a lot of the research that's been put into that and for just being able to make that as realistic as possible for being able to have tool sets that it's easy, you know, easier and easier to be able to, um, you know, implement that kind of uh, immersive audio within a binaural format within, you know, just headphones, which is what everybody, you know, has um, and not relying on, okay, you have to have, you know, a, a 40 channel speaker array or, you know, something like that to be able to really create this immersive experience. Now we can use headphones and, you know, we can really actually make it sound like there's something coming from behind your head. And, you know, the technology I'd say is still developing in that area, but that's definitely been a huge um there's been a huge push in research in that area within the past few years. Um, not that there wasn't research in it before, but, you know, AES suddenly was all HRTF <laughs> papers and people very interested in that space. got to say, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm learning so much and this is so valuable for me to like, absorb all of this. So thank you for uh, show- showcasing what's changed the last few years as well. And nice and thorough answer to my question too. So thank you. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, from your perspective, so again, you're, you're more, you're, you're kind of a wheelhouse, I guess, is more than the metaverse, which is 
not necessarily our strength. And so, you know, really, what's the current state when it comes to the metaverse? And, um, you know, there's a lot of noise, I think, just like there is in the immersive audio field. What is going on and where is it heading? Um, it's just a lot of punditry. There's a lot of people who suddenly changed their uh, LinkedIn profiles to say that they're like a metaverse expert. They've been all along and they said they can really help companies. The most ridiculous example, I'm not going to name this company. The most ridiculous example is a company who will construct something in the metaverse for you. So like the AR construction company. And what it literally is, is just hiring someone to create a little model, which in unity, which could be imported to whatever they're building on. That's not the metaverse. That's literally just hiring someone to create a little model for you. And it's just a fresh label on a um, something that already exists. And I think there's a lot of it at the moment where people are using the um, using the nonsense which is hanging around and to try and make a quick buck from it. And I don't like that. So as someone who's been following like immersive technologies for a long time, I'd much rather have good information out there where people can firmly understand what the development is and, and also with a full understanding of how little we know is going to happen as well. Because like it or not, there are engineers who are far more clever than any of us who are currently developing all these amazing and creative things. And as of yet, we have no idea what's going to happen. We're going to have to wait a few years to actually see them to have a better idea. I think there was... Maybe it was Benedict Evans who said this, but he said that something along the lines of speakers and talkers don't necessarily build the future or hypothesize the philosophy that we should follow. It really is just the engineers and builders who just build it and then we just react to what happens afterwards. It really is something along those lines. And I feel like with metaverse discussions, it's very heated, it's very loud, and it's very jumbled. I'm predicting that 2022 is going to cool down a little, just a little. And over the next five years, it'll actually take some sort of firm shape and we're going to um, see how it goes from there. But at the moment, it's just a lot of uh, discussions, which I'm more than happy to contribute to. And I stand on the shoulders of people who know far better than I. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I want to just go back down to like my core love, which is virtual augmented reality. Because when it comes to these, like the metaverse, I think a lot of it's going to be built on these immersive technologies, generally speaking. I appreciate it's a wide umbrella, but the whole point is the fact that we're immersing ourselves more and more and how it impacts us both as a society and also business-like as well. And I do genuinely feel that virtual reality is so cool and it's always been my little, my little passion just to play lots of VR games, hop into virtual worlds, try out different things, and I find it really enjoyable. And the same with augmented reality. I used to work in an AR studio called Zapper, and it's really cool to see the way AR is being used by companies and agencies just to really help level up either people's skills or to market something, or um, the fact that their platform is a no-code, so anyone can actually, in theory, build uh, things in their own time using their own little engine and platform, which is amazing and it just means that anyone can use uh, the technology they wanted to. And amongst all of this, amongst all of this progression we've had in the last few years, suddenly we've got this Goliath which appeared out, not out of nowhere, but to wide our eyes out of nowhere, 
who just says, oh yeah, like totally, like this is this is the metaverse, this is how it's going to contribute. And then just mudding up the waters. And I'm just there in the middle of it, just going, oh yeah, like, yeah, great on the metaverse, but we need to look at the foundational technologies that's going to contribute towards it. Because no matter what you're going to say about the metaverse, its policies, its views, its politics, like, you need to think about the foundational tech first. Follow companies like RP1, who's creating the infrastructure behind it. Follow companies like Epic Games, who's creating the the actual way in which you could develop things inside that. Or even Unity as well. Uh, follow companies like um, Wolf 3D, who create Ready Player Me, a way for you to actually have an avatar that could work across multiple ways. Follow those companies, and that's going to be the kind of technology that's going to be foundational to what the metaverse is going to be, which is why you should be focusing VR and AR as well. So just, just to summarize, what I'm trying to say is the metaverse is the big brother that came out of nowhere, and you should not forget about the little brothers and sisters as well, who's part of the family. Well, I think that's the reality of the current situation, isn't it? It's this metaverse, it's more of a vision, and it currently exists in this fragmented way, and all of these companies, and maybe even ourselves to a certain extent, making our small contributions towards consciously or you know, indirectly, but we are we're participating in this movement, we're being part of this community, whatever we do every day for work somehow is related to that overall vision. And um, we're yet to see what the final result is going to be like. What is the best way to find out more about yourself, your work? Sure. So the way, best ways of finding me is... You could find me on Twitter if you just search for Tom Fisk. My last name is double F-I-S-K-E. That is double F-I-S-K-E. You could also find me on LinkedIn, where I'm not going to ship posts as much as LinkedIn, but you can get some good insights from there as well. But principally, you will find me best at the Immersive Wire, where um, I uh, send out my newsletter twice a week. To find that, you can type in www.immersivewire.com and you'll be able to get some insights twice a week from me there. Um, I'm also, if you can't, if you can't tell, I'm quite a chatty person. So, if you want to have like a chit chat, then pop me an email, and I'm more than happy to um, uh, to like give you some thoughts or advice or help or just to have a little discussion. Because uh, I, as I said earlier in the podcast, I really do genuinely stand on the shoulders of people who know better than I. All I literally do is bring it all together in a cohesive way to inform people, but but I really am just taking what other people do, giving them credit and just showing the world, look how cool they are. So please pop me an email and I'm more than happy to continue doing so. I'm also publishing a book and um, this book is the, um, the Metaverse, A Professional Guide, which we've been discussing throughout the podcast. If you want to find it, you can find it on Amazon, uh, where you can find either paperback, hardback or Kindle version and you'll be able to get a nice, concise overview of uh, the area. I hope I do it justice, and I hope that it helps you in your endeavours in whatever projects you create as well. In any case, thank you so much, Oliver and Monica, for letting me join the show. Um, Tom, thank you so much for being here with us today. We've definitely enjoyed being able to talk with you about the metaverse and what you are seeing within that space. So we always end the podcast with one question. Um, can you share one piece of advice that really helped you in your career? 
sort out your workload by a routine as opposed to being goal orientated. So let's say you need to complete a project by the uh, 15th of February and you need to hit a goal of 10 projects, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Instead of saying, oh, I need to like reach that goal, I need to do whatever I can to reach that goal by that time, you should instead look at the problem as, okay, I'll segment it into chunks and I'll, as a process, do this once a day and also this once a day. So if you are process orientated when it comes to reaching your goals, you're more likely to reach the, your goal and in a more, I would say, strategically comfortable way than for haphazard goal-oriented approach where you it can be a little bit messier and a little bit untargeted. So if you're more process-orientated, you'll find that you'll uh, reach your goals in a good way. That is a really great uh, and tangible uh, piece of advice that I think a lot of people can, yeah, a lot of people can get something from. So thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. It was great having you on the podcast. And thank you for letting me join. Um, take care, everyone. And I hope everyone has a great day, morning, evening, whatever it is. Hope it's all good. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, please consider becoming a Patreon. Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash immersive audio podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott. Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit 1618digital.com slash immersive audio podcast to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.